those that are laid aside. Remember those that need thy touch today and be with them and undertake for them. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we'd ask these things. Amen. Amen. Well, I wonder if we could turn in our Bibles tonight to the Psalm 122. We're going back to these uh, songs of degrees. Um, we did a couple of them, and then we had a long uh, break, as it were, um, during the summertime, really. Uh, but we're going back to the songs of degrees. And we're looking at Psalm 122 this evening. Psalm 122, and beginning our reading at verse 1. I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is builded as a city that is compact together. Whether the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, unto the testimony of Israel, to give thanks unto the name of the Lord. For there are set thrones of judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. Peace be within thy walls, and prosperity within thy palaces. For thy brethren and, the, and companions' sake, I will now say, Peace be within thee. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek thy good. Amen. We know the Lord will add his blessing to the reading of his precious word to all of our hearts. Now, we have been looking at these songs of degrees or songs of ascent, and it's so far back, maybe you'll not uh, remember that these are psalms that were sung by the pilgrims, the Jewish people, as they made their way to the temple in Jerusalem for the great feasts of Judaism. And we can trace their journey here. Uh, the pilgrims here are praising God as they do so. And we, uh, we, we uh, see that as we look at the Psalms, there's a progression in Psalm 120. The Sabbath is far from Jerusalem, and he's in trouble. And then when we get to Psalm 134, the Psalmist is offering praise within the temple courts. So you can see the way that the journey takes place. There's an upward motion. There's a forward motion in many ways as the, Sam, as the pilgrims make their way towards Jerusalem. But there is not only an upward motion and a progressive motion, but there's also a sort of an open up and down motion. Because you'll notice in Psalm 122, we're only three psalms into these 15 psalms of ascent, and it seems as if the psalmist has already arrived at Jerusalem. He says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. So uh, they, there seems to be something wrong here. Uh, we're only three psalms into these 15 psalms, and already the psalmist is at Jerusalem. But there are many commentators, um, like um, the John Phillips in his commentary, and others who have said that not only is there the forward motion, but there's the up and down motion. And every three psalms seems to follow the same pattern. The first psalm, there's uh, five of these uh, uh, sections of three psalms. The first psalm 
always is a psalm about where the psalmist is in trouble. The second psalm is a psalm where the psalmist learns to trust. And the third psalm in the trio is always a psalm of triumph or victory. And you can see this up and down motion as we go through these psalms. You will see this kind of uh, pattern that takes place. And the psalm here is a triumph psalm. It's a third one in in the uh, sequence here. So here, the pilgrim uh, seems to have come to the place of worship, and he's delighted when he gets there. Look, uh, the Psalm 96 verse 9 says, We worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness, fear before him all the earth. And there are many exhortations in God's word uh, to call us to worship. And we need to recognize the uh, vital place that worship has amongst the people of God. The Shorter Catechism says that man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And yet in many ways we have lost some of the value and the importance of worship. It seems as if amongst God's people today that we uh, uh, go along more or less for the entertainment of the meeting. It's, if it's a good meeting or if, if it's uh, some, something that tickles our ears, something that uh, tracks our attention, that's the thing that we want to have. But it's not a worship that is focused upon God. Well, that's not what the psalmist uh, here uh, is indicating. He is glad when he wants to go up to the house of the Lord. And he goes there to worship. He goes there to give glory and honor to his God. And something that we need to learn in these days is the vital importance of worship. And that's something that we can see. We can see here something of the character and goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it should lift our hearts heavenwards and we should worship God with all of our hearts. So we want to look at the psalm and we want to focus upon our worship and Uh, There are some things that are vitally important about our worship that we can learn from this portion of Scripture. And the first thing is the pleasure that we enjoy. You you can see that the Psalm 122 very definitely indicates that worship should be something that we enjoy. Now, we focus upon God. It's it's not for our pleasure. It's, It's not, first of all or foremost, Uh, something that's focused on us that we uh, can enjoy in that sense. It's it's not uh, the first and foremost thing that we enjoy it. But the thing is that if we are truly worshiping God, we will enjoy it. And you'll notice what the psalmist said. I was glad. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within thy gates. O Jerusalem. And there is this deep down joy that the psalmist indicates about going to Jerusalem. His heart is filled and running over as he thinks about going to the place where he can worship his God. Now, the theological workbook of the Old Testament says of the word glad there, he says, and I quote, the root samak denotes being glad or joyful with the whole disposition as indicated by its association with the heart, 
Exodus 4.14, Psalm 19, 9, Psalm 104, verse 15, and Psalm 105, verse 3. Uh, association with the heart, with the soul, Psalm 86, verse 4, and with the lighting up of the eyes, Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 30. So this word glad here is not just an outward gladness. It's a gladness of the heart. It's a gladness of the soul. It's a gladness that brings a lighting up of the eye. Think of some place where you love to go. Maybe it's a holiday destination. Many have been on holidays, and there are places where you like to go that would be a, a place where you can relax, or maybe it's a place where you have friends or loved ones. Uh, it's a place where you can go and meet with them. Some city, some country, some uh, retreat, a family retreat, some place that you love to go. And if you get that in your mind just now, that's what David is thinking about. This is the way that he's thinking as he is uh, told about going to the house of God. He is absolutely delighted, right down deep in his soul, that he can go along to the place of God. Now, I wonder if that's our reaction as we think about going to church. If somebody says, oh, it's time for church, does your heart leap? Does your heart fill with joy? And these pilgrimages here, they weren't easy. They weren't uh, something that was undertaken lightly. As we have indicated, as we looked at the other Psalms, there was the danger of robbers. There was the danger of uh, the hills and the places where uh, uh, thieves and robbers could lurk. And there were all sorts of dangers. But here was a man, and he wasn't filled with apprehension or filled with a dread of the weariness of the journey, but he was glad right down deep in his soul. I read um, something by a man called David E. Owen, and he told a story about something that happened in Moldova a number of years ago in the city of Kishnau in on the Romanian border. And Charlie Vandermeer of the Children's Bible Hour was visiting this uh, Moldovan city, and the, uh, he was coming to tell the children about the Lord Jesus Christ. And this was a particularly cold Sunday, as you get in the middle of Europe. But there turned out 1,500 people to worship in a church that had been built 10 years earlier. And the thing that the American visitors noticed is that only about 10 or rather about 20 to 25 of the 1,500 people arrived by car. The rest of them walked sometimes three to four miles in the snow. And they did it over, uh, over again for the evening service. And amazed at the dedication, Charlie Vandermeer asked the question, would we go to church if we had to do that? And the Christians of Moldova, like the psalmist David here, was willing to go great lengths to the worship of God. They were faithful. They wanted to get to Jerusalem. Didn't matter about the obstacles. Didn't matter about the difficulties. Didn't matter about the weariness of the journey. He had to go. And how it puts us to shame in our day and generation. We have uh, good transport links. We have all the comfort of the place that's heated. And yet so, so often, uh, something small can put us off getting to the place where we worship God. 
But I want you to uh, think about the worship of God here. And I want you to see what it was that these people gathered to worship uh, the character of it. Notice the affiliation of God's people. Look at verse 1. He said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Now, you'll notice it's not let me go to the house of the Lord, but let us go to the house of the Lord. There is this affiliation. There is this communion amongst God's people. And there is that sense when we come together of that communion one with the other. It's not let me, it's not an individual thing. What can I get out of it? But there is that sense of iron sharpening iron, and so the face of man is frayed. There is that sense in which we encourage one another, help one another, pray for one another, and there is that going together to the place of worship. Worship is a collective thing. It's not an individual thing. In many ways today we live in an individualistic society and everything is done for the individual. But that's not the worship of God. The church of God comes together. We're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Remember the psalmist here is on a journey. Alfred Edersheim said, the leader some of the ranks, the procession of the words of Jeremiah 31, 6, Arise, ye let us go to Zion and unto Jehovah our God, to which the people replied in the appropriate language of Psalm 122, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of God. Are we uh, seeking to encourage one another? We invite others. We should invite others to the worship. We should uh, want to bring others along to the meeting. But it's not just that, and that's important. But it is that we do encourage one another. We, we are, you, you are encouraging others by even your attendance, by even sitting there in the seat. You are an encouragement to others. You are an encouragement for others to come along. Uh, you are an encouragement as they see you, they are taking part. You are an encouragement as you take part in prayer, whatever you do. There is an encouragement. But here were these people. And there was this affiliation that they had one with another. They said, let us, let us go. This is collective. This is communion amongst God's people. But not only was, were, were they glad because of their affiliation, but they were glad because of their anticipation. Because here they were coming to God's house. And Jerusalem, of course, was the center of their religion. It was the place where especially they met with God, where the Shekinah glory of God dwelt, where the Lord came down, where the sacrifices were made, where they uh, got right with God, and where they made their offerings and their worship to God. And they came with this sense of anticipation that they would meet with God, that they would have fellowship with God. And my, as we come to worship, have we that sense of anticipation. I'm going to meet with God. The Bible says that if, if we draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to us. Sometimes we come and other things have entered into our minds and the devil will seek to distract us and send in the fiery arrows. 
that seek to divert our minds away to other things. But you know, if we come with that attitude of seeking the Lord with all our hearts, then he will be found of us and we will meet with him. And we can come with a sense of anticipation of the great things that can happen as we meet with our God. There is the gladness of affiliation and the gladness of anticipation, but there was the gladness of arrival here. He says in verse 2, Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. The long-awaited moment has come. There's a sense of wonder and delight as the traveler stands at last within the gates of Jerusalem, as he enters into the holy city. And we could translate the word stand there as uh, stand still. In other words, what the traveler did when he came to the gates of Jerusalem was that he took it all in. You know, if you were to climb a mountain, you wouldn't just go up to the top of the mountain and then just turn around and go back down again. You'd take a while to look at the view. You'd take a while to see the uh, lie of the land. You, you would take a, a little time to take it all in. And that's what the psalmist was doing here. He had arrived and he wanted now to take it in, to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, to be still and know that he is God, to be in the very presence of our God. Oh, what a wonderful thing when we enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Oh, how we rejoice in the mercy of God. So there's the pleasure we enjoy. I hope that as we come to worship God, that we do so out of a sense of joy, out of a sense of delight and anticipation as to what God might do in the meeting. But then look at the purpose that we have. Why was the psalmist glad when he went to the house of the Lord? Well, if you look at the uh, passage, you'll get some answers to that. The first is that we desire the word of God. If you look at verse 4, he says, Whether the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, unto the testimony of Israel. And where David speaks there about the testimony of Israel, it's thought that there is a reference to the Ark of the Covenant and the testimony is often used as a reference to the stone tables, the tables of the law that were within the ark. You'll find, if you read Psalm 119, it uses different words, very many words to describe the word of God. But one of the words that is used to describe the word of God is this word testimony. So here, the children of Israel are commanded to go up at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, at the Feast of Pentecost, at the Feast of Tabernacles. And as they made their pilgrimage, uh, they were honoring the Word of God. They were seeking a word from God. And of course, one of the primary reasons why we come to worship is that we might get a word from God. We need to hear from God. We need to hear His Word. We think of the place of preaching in the church. It says in 1 Corinthians 1 and 21, For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching 
to save them that believe. The preaching of the word is central. The preach, and it's for good reason, because here is the teaching. Here is the doctrine of the word of God. Romans 10, after the famous verse in uh, verse 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Paul goes on and he says, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For as they saith, Lord, who have believed or report, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Spirit-filled Bible-centered pre- uh, preaching will thrill the heart. It ought to thrill the heart of God's people. And there ought to be that thrill within our souls. Here is why the psalmist is glad, because he wants to hear God's word. But then he has another desire, and that is to worship God. Look at what it says there. He says that they go up uh, to give thanks unto the name of the Lord. Now, one of the prime parts of worship is thanksgiving. Sometimes we demean the place of thanksgiving. Sometimes even in prayer we can come and we can forget about the place of thanksgiving. Do we thank God? Do we thank God for his provision? Do we thank God for his salvation? Do we thank God for his preservation, for his guidance, for his help? Uh, during the past week or the past days. We need to come into his courts with thanksgiving. And I wonder today uh, what we have to praise and thank God for. There are many things. Uh, We count our blessings and we name them one by one and it will surely surprise us what the Lord hath done. But how do we praise and give thanks to God? Well, we do it as we sing. We do it as we worship God by the singing of the psalms and the hymns and the spiritual songs. David leads here in songs of praise, as does Nehemiah and Ezra and others. Prayer also is part of our worship. It is the way that we come to God, where we bring our needs to God. We think of Daniel in Daniel 2 and 23. He says, I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God of my fathers, who has given me wisdom and might, and has made known unto me now what we desired of thee, for thou hast now made known unto us the king's matter. And the prophet gave God the glory, thanking him for revealing the meaning of the Babylonian king's dream. Uh, And here he is, and he enters into the courts of God with thanksgiving. I wonder today, as we have come, is there that sense of thanksgiving within our hearts and within our souls? You think of the Jews here, very many of them went by foot up to Jerusalem or by donkey or some other way, would have been a hard journey. And yet here were these people and they wanted to worship God. They wanted to hear his word. They wanted to enter into his presence. And we are commanded to praise him. We're commanded to give thanks. It ought to be something that we do out of a sense 
of our gratitude to God, but God commands us to come with praise and thanksgiving to him. So we notice the pleasure that we enjoy and the purpose we have. But then notice the prayer that we offer. Psalm 122 encourages us to pray for God's people regularly and pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Look at verses 6 to 9. He says here, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. Peace be within thy walls and prosperity within thy palaces. For my brethren and companions' sake, I will now say, Peace be within thee. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek thy good. In other words, they gathered for worship and there was a tremendous effect brought about by their prayer. And you notice what they prayed for. First of all, they prayed for the peace of Jerusalem. The verses tells us here about the prayer of God's people, and they are praying for Jerusalem. And this is a command that still stands true. The city of Jerusalem is important in the Scriptures, still important today. The city of Jerusalem today is a city of about a million people, maybe about half of them, over half of them, are Jewish. Uh, about a third of them are Arabic. A very tiny proportion, about three, four, two, three, four percent, uh, would identify as being Christian. But we think of how there are about 19,000 people in a square mile in Jerusalem. They're packed in. It has been a place of violence. The name of Jerusalem is, uh, it has the name Shalom or Salam within its, uh, it's, a, it's a city of peace. That's what its meaning is. But you know, down through the years, Jerusalem, through the centuries, even today, Jerusalem has been one of the most violent places on the earth. It has been disputed. It has been besieged. It has been fought over. The people have been put to death. And even today, with uh, terrorist bombs and uh, the disputes that take place between the Israelis and the Palestinians or the, uh, the Arabs, there has been uh, still that uh, reign of uh, violence and viciousness within Jerusalem. And the Bible says here that we are to pray for the priests of Jerusalem. We're to pr pray for the peace of Jerusalem as it is today. We, God promises that if you pray for the priests of Jerusalem, he'll bless you back. He says, uh, in, uh, he says here, that, uh, pray for the peace of uh, Jerusalem, verse 6, they shall prosper that love thee. God promised Abram, I will, in Genesis 12 and 3, I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Israel, Jerusalem, the Jewish people still have a place in God's heart, and I believe they still have a place in God's plan. And the Middle East is racked with conflict, and you think of Iran at the minute, it's in danger, or it seems to be heading towards getting nuclear weapons and threatening Jerusalem or threatening Israel as a whole, and how we need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. As God's people, we pray 
that Jerusalem might have peace. But not only do we pray for the peace of Jerusalem now, but we pray for the peace of Jerusalem in the future because praying for the peace of Jerusalem is ultimately a prayer for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Jerusalem will not have peace until our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, sets his feet upon in that city. When he comes again, we read that he ascended up from the Mount of Olives. He's coming back to the Mount of Olives. He will enter into the city by that eastern gate, and there he will set up his rule and his reign, and he will enter into the, and there will be peace in Jerusalem. We're told about that time when they will beat their, plow, uh, uh, their uh, swords into plowshares, and the lion will lie down with the lamb, and there will be peace. And God will bring that peace. And we're looking for the rule and reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. We say, even so come, Lord Jesus. He, the great Prince of Peace, will enter into his city and bring peace to his people and peace to the land. So we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We're praying for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But also we pray for the sake of our brethren. Not only do we pay, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, but look at what he says in verse 8. He says, For my brethren and companions' sake, I will now say, Peace within, be within thee. And as, as Christians, we are family. We pray, he prays for the Jewish people, but we are among the brethren. We are in God's covenant mercy. We are his people, and we pray for our brethren. And as we come tonight, we pray for one another. It says in Ephesians 6, verse 18, Praying always with all prayer and supplication of the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. We pray for one another. We bring our burdens to the Lord, and we leave them there. And then we pray for something else. We pray for the well-being of the house of God. Look at verse 9. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek thy good. To seek something requires uh, intention. It requires effort. And we need to pray for the church. Pray for the church daily. Attend the services. Be faithful. Give of your finances. But above all, pray. Pray that God in his mercy will re reach down and draw precious souls to himself. The Apostle Paul, of course, is a good example for us here. He prayed for the good of the church. In Philippians 1, he said, For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to, to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you for the church. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. My how we need to pray for the church of God. We need to pray for the work of God, especially in these evil days in which we live. We need to pray that God in his mercy will reach down and turn many precious souls to himself, build us up in his most holy faith, and that the church of God might go forward.
Thank God for the promise of the Savior. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But here is the psalmist. He's speaking about his worship. He speaks about his going to the house of the Lord. And it's not an optional part of his life. He's glad. He's looking forward to this. This is the center of his life. This is the thing that he is anticipating and looking forward to uh, uh, day by day. And the bottom line is this. If we love the Lord, we love God's people, we love the place where he is worshipped, and we will love the gathering together of his people in order to worship our God. And the psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. May we have that gladness and joy within our hearts as we worship our God, even this evening and in the incoming days. May God write his word upon our hearts for his name's sake. Let's unite together, please, at the throne of grace in prayer. And let's remember, uh, especially tonight as we are um, coming into September tomorrow, and the meetings will be start again very soon, and we're into a new season of labor, how, how very fast the summer has gone, and how it seems like no time since the meetings were drawing towards their close, and yet now we're back again. Pray for the Sunday school that we might see new pupils brought in, and pray for the children's meeting, and all the meetings, the youth fellowship, the Sunday services, the prayer meeting, the uh, ladies' fellowship, the different meetings. Pray that God in his mercy will step in and we might see great things done for him. Pray for the, uh, f- the drive-in service as well. Um, we uh, will not, we'll not get the numbers that we got out of the field uh, during the week time, but uh, maybe... There are those um, who are still maybe a bit apprehensive about the COVID and so on, haven't been in, and we are, want them to come in uh, for the drive-in. So do pray for that and pray that God in his mercy will save precious uh, never-dying souls. So let's unite together, please, at the throne of grace in prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father, we do thank thee for the Psalm that we have been considering tonight, we thank thee for the gladness and joy of the psalmist as he entered into the courts of his God. And our Father, we pray that we might have something of that gladness, this deep down gladness, this gladness of heart and soul that the psalmist had as he anticipated uh, going to hear the word of God and as he went to worship his God. And our Father, we pray tonight that thou wouldst help us to worship thee in spirit and truth. We pray, our God, that thou wouldst give us that uh, real sense of the presence of God. Draw near to us, our God. We know that, uh, if we're honest, that many times we come to worship, there isn't that sense of gladness. We can be tired because of the weariness of the day, or we can be uh, just Uh, filled with uh, sorrow or anxiety over the matters that are to our uh, coming our way. 
And maybe, Lord, there are worries and fears upon us. And, Lord, many times maybe we come and we're cast down. But, O oh God, we pray that there might be a lifting up for the downcast. O oh Lord, that we might turn our eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face. And may the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Answer prayer for all of these matters that we have mentioned already. We thank, Lord, of the, um, uh, the uh, outreach, the, uh, the uh, uh, Consider Christ outreach, starting again very shortly. We pray, our God, that thou wouldst bless there. Uh, we pray that thou wouldst be with the brethren who are in charge of that, that thou wouldst bless them. And we pray that many precious souls would come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. We thank thee that thou art able to save to the uttermost all that come unto God by thee. And we pray that thy hand would be upon uh, the work and witness of God. Be with us tonight. Uh, bless in the incoming season of labor. O oh God, might we see great things done. We can't create an anxious thought. We can't do anything. Salvation is of the Lord. And so we lay everything at thy feet. Come and take hold and charge tonight. For it's in Jesus' precious name I would ask these things. Amen.